0: Hi everyone. Uh, So thanks for tuning in. As you're probably noticing, this is not an episode released um, on a topic that I usually talk about or on a day that I usually release. Um, You may have noticed if you are a uh, usual listener, um, I didn't release a Monday episode out of respect for the type of content that I think should be shared in light of everything going on from the protests to the riots to the murder, of course, of George Floyd and all the movements currently happening. So with that being said, I did not feel comfortable in any way using this platform to share that type of content. I felt it was better to take this time, allow more so content um, that supports what's going on to be shared and uh, to be brought to light. So um, yeah, of course, if you've following me on Instagram, you have noticed I've been sharing out content to help people become educated, to educate myself um, to exactly what's going on right now and how to be a better ally. So with that being said, I am releasing this episode today. Um, I've had the chance to actually record with a guest who is a close friend of mine, a boon, and She's able to come on today and share a story, share her experiences, talk about some racial injustice that she's experienced, talk about it in the context of both the U.S. and Canada, but then also give her perspective and some tips as well on how to be educated, how to approach and broach the subject with other people around you, and of course as well, how to be a better ally. So not going to make this intro long by any means. Uh, Let's just hop straight to it. And thank you for tuning in and thank you for becoming more educated. Hey guys, welcome back to the Working Gals Guide podcast. And you know the deal, I'm here to interview people in all different careers, all different industries, and chat about their journey and how they got there. I'm really here to help you get inspired and really help you find your dream job as well. So welcome to our podcast and thanks for tuning in. Hi everyone, hope everyone is doing well. I do have um, a new episode today with someone who is very near and dear to my heart. It's an old friend of mine, a good friend of mine, a boon. I am so glad she's here with us today because she has a story, she has knowledge, she has a lot to share today with us um, that really does go back to exactly what's happening in the moment with us today. So I do want to let you know we're recording the same days I'm going to release this. This is all happening right now. We put this together um, as a reaction essentially what's going on. We felt like this conversation had to be brought to light. I'm happy that I have somewhat of a platform with the podcast and you know, of course, just the regular social media reach you have with friends and family to share the message out. And um, we just thought it'd be a good idea to do this. Abun is honestly extremely knowledgeable. She's eloquent. She's logical. She's everything of the sort that you'd want to educate someone on these type of topics that really are very touchy and sensitive at times. And sometimes people don't go about them the best way, but she definitely does. So without further ado, Eboon, thank you for coming, and if you don't mind just giving us a brief background about yourself.
1: Oh, well, thanks for having me. What an intro. <laughs>
0: um,
1: yeah, it's Ebun. Um, I obviously live in Calgary. I'm um, 24 years old. Um, I lived in America. Well, I was born in Nigeria first, uh, moved to America when I was about well- three or four um i lived there for a bit over a decade and i moved to canada back in 2012 so i've been here about eight years now Mm -hmm. um so i'm nigerian uh canadian i would say um but with some background in the u.s um obviously can't talk to everything specifically is going on there um and how african americans feel since it really pertains to them um but i think so good conversation obviously still being black um people don't distinguish the difference between african and african-american anyway um Mm -hmm you know, too often. So I think still conversation to have um, as a black woman in Canada, and some experiences in the US.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's the reason I wanted you on today, because I feel like you have had these experiences. And on top of it, you're open to share. So glad you're here. And thank you so much. Um, Yeah, so right now, I mean, I think we're all on Instagram right now. We're on Facebook, whatever, right? We're seeing everyone post and repost and share on stories, these Instagram graphics that talk about what's going on how you can be an ally, what you can do to support, where you can go to donate, you know, non-financial ways you can support as well. And I see a lot of people posting. um, I see a lot of people resharing, but to be honest, in my opinion, I don't think reading a couple of Instagram graphics here and there and reposting is really enough. It's a good start in my opinion. It's a good way to get the conversation going, maybe get your brain on the topic and ready to educate yourself more. But in your opinion. Um, what would you like to see people do to educate themselves beyond these Instagram graphics or Facebook graphics that are being shared?
1: Um, well, first of all, like, I think what's happening is pretty great. I'm, I'm personally, I'm very happy to see um, all this information coming down from people. Um, yes, sharing is definitely just the first start we can do. Sharing is spreading information. Um, I feel like, obviously, there are way more things we can do, but I think that's always a great, good start. Um, and just to show where you lie and just to show your support. And it helps the other Black people around you feel supported just to see that um, kind of support going through. Um, and people acknowledging their white privilege and acknowledging all these things they have. Um, so I think it's great. Um, I think a biggest thing, I know for me personally, um, it's a bit tough being Black and kind of seeing all these things going on because um, for me personally, I know that we've been talking about this for years now. Um, and I think that's maybe one of the hardest things, trying to be positive and being happy. That other people talking about this but also trying to, you know, connected with the feeling of, you know, why was nobody talking about this earlier that we've been talking about this for years. Um, Black Lives Matter started in 2013 as a response to Trayvon Martin um, and the acquittal of George Zimmerman. So obviously, black issues and black people have been talking about this for decades now, um, especially in america African Americans um, knowing the history there um, but really, I think the conversation really kicked off for our generation um, when you know the body camps came out and people more have more access to phones and videos um, and started actually recording these police brutalities, mm-hmm. um, but still seeing that regardless of recording there still was no justice um, so I think for black people it's um a bit overwhelming at times. So for those that are, you know, non-Black people, uh, white people, any person of color uh, that is not Black, I think, you know, you have a responsibility to educate yourself. And while reaching out is always a great step, um, you know, definitely be mindful of the people you're reaching out to. A lot of Black people right now are going through trauma. Every single time this happens, we're traumatized every single time. Um, And, you know, there's sometimes when I'm completely fine to talk about it. There's sometimes when I just don't want to talk about it. Um, And I think a big thing that, non-Black people kind of need to realize is that it's not really Black people's job to educate them. Um, You know, we're in a generation where we have laptops, we have phones, we have the internet, like we all, a lot of us go to university or go to school, um, you're taught these things, you have access to these things, Um, and while, you know, if you have a Black friend or someone close to you that you can talk with us about, or you have questions, you should feel open to talk about it, but at the same time, um, don't feel like it's black person's responsibility to educate you because you have all these accesses to all this information. Um, and sometimes it can be overwhelming for the person that you're talking to. Um, you know, we see this happen all the time. We, you know, we actually saw a video of somebody dying, George Floyd dying uh, for eight minutes. And this is not the first video we've seen. Definitely not. We've seen hundreds of videos like this so many times. Um, so when you are going to kind of a black person to try to ask them and educate them, kind of be mindful, maybe ask ahead of time, you know, do you want to talk about this right now um, because you don't know what that person's going through and how it might traumatize them again to keep on talking about the same topic because i promise you black people are constantly talking about it so um, yeah. it'd be tough um but as we're doing more um like i said i love the sharing of the posts but i think the biggest thing that people underestimate are signing petitions um they might not look like they do much but you know the petitions do do a lot of things and regardless they do show your support they do show where you lie um You know and you know donating and just sharing information doing YouTube videos doing calls like this Um, spreading the conversation is the first step and I feel like it's the most important step but there's so much more to do after that Um, so I guess um, a big thing kind of find where you can help in your community it can be overwhelming um, as somebody that's not Black to try to figure out how to help the situation, definitely. Um, I mean, as overwhelming as this is for us, it's, I yeah. understand it's mm-hmm. overwhelming for people that aren't Black, mm-hmm. um, but I think it might be easier to start in your community. I mean, there's Black people all over the world. Wherever you go, there's going to be a Black person in mm-hmm. some city or some town. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, usually that they have some organizations, they have some communities. So I think trying to reach out and see how you can help, how you can promote Black businesses, um you know podcasts like this you know i know some black girls that have podcasts in calgary or toronto or you know anywhere in canada or or in america so kind of seeing where you can help in your community and make the black people around you feel supported can be your first step Mm -hmm. Um, and then just going around seeing petitions seeing places you can donate and just kind of listening i think the biggest part that stops you know non-black people from wanting to get in this conversation is that they don't know how to get in this conversation Mm
0: -hmm. they feel
1: awkward about it And, you know, as much as I sympathize with that, as uncomfortable as you feel, I promise you, a Black person feels 10 times more uncomfortable in this situation. So I think, you know, just kind of figuring out um, how to go about it, um, but make sure you are saying something. Make sure you have these conversations with your family members. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of, we have parents that are different generations, different times. And unfortunately, a lot of people still have parents that are definitely very racist Um, and as uncomfortable as it can be, you know, bringing these conversations up at the dinner table is a big Mm -hmm. way of how you can help, you know. Um, Even if you don't think posting on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, you have some people that might have a different belief than you and it's good to show them where you stand and where you lie. Um, And I think that's the biggest thing, you know, like we've been saying, silence is compliance Mm -hmm. and at this kind of, you know, point in the game, not saying anything because you're scared to say something really isn't an excuse anymore. Um, And I think it's just our responsibility as human beings and people that live around each other Mm -hmm. and people that, you know, consume Black content. Black content is one of the most consumed in the world. People love rap music. People love Black Mm -hmm. music. They love Black culture. They love Black clothes, Black food, you know. um, You know, appropriation is always a big thing. You know, they love everything about Black culture. So Mm -hmm. I just see it's your responsibility that you cannot consume Black culture and our culture um, and our content um, and not speak up for those that, the culture that you enjoy. So I
0: think it's a responsibility for everybody. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, there's a couple of things in there I do want to comment on. And the first thing is, like you said, it's an amazing start that people are getting on Instagram, you're getting on Facebook and all your other socials, you're sharing things out, you're reading things. Um, great start. My hope is that people take this moving forward when the posts stop, when the sharing stop. It, it's inevitable it's going to dwindle down. There's going to be less people sharing, less people, hashtagging, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to return um, after like not posting until June 7th, people are going to return to their daily content, their typical content and what feels comfortable to them. Mm -hmm. With that being said internally and with your friends and your family, like you said, you need to still educate yourself, still have the conversations, still find the black owned businesses to promote support And also, like you mentioned as well, a great thing, listen to some podcasts. There's a ton of podcasts out there. I'm going to link a lot of different resources into the show notes today. I want everyone to take a look at all those. And, you know, it's not like you have to go home tonight and cram for a test for this. Okay. We, you have time, spend your entire rest of your life supporting other people and bringing them up. It is not a race to be the most knowledgeable, but it is important to take steps forward it make sure you feel comfortable with yourself understanding more and more moving forward and exactly. like you, exactly. yeah, like exactly. I
1: understand that obviously with what's going on now everybody's in tune with it because of all the riots and all the protests mm-hmm. uh, but we need to talk about after the fact you know we've done this same thing over and over again I mean the difference now with George Floyd is I'm seeing so many other races come in and I think that's where our voice is getting bigger and where the impact is getting bigger um, but for you know cases like Trayvon Martin, you know, Eric Garner, Sandra Bland, Lando Castile, uh, Mike Brown. We've done this so many times. The black community has done this exact same route so many times. And this time it's different. And this time we're having so many people really behind us and back us that are not black. Um, and more people are starting to understand that, you know, it's not enough just to ignore it anymore. And it's not enough for just the black community to talk about it anymore because it affects everybody in the long run. Um, so I think everybody needs to have a commitment to anti-racism and dismantling racism. Um, and I think that's a lifelong commitment. Obviously, it's something you're going to do every single day and you know, be ferociously on Google and promoting on this every single day. Obviously, people have a limit. Um, I know for me, I've getting, been getting overwhelmed. I have to tune out of Instagram and you know twitter and facebook for at least a couple hours a day because it's overwhelming um but if you have that commitment to be anti-racist and to be anti-fascist and to be pro-black um and to let people know where you stand and you can keep that commitment for the rest of your life it's something that's very easy to build on um, it's something very easy to defend and when you have all this information around you you feel so much um you know you feel so much better to like it's hard to say but better to kind of like deal with these issues yeah. uh, when you are educated it makes it easy to talk about it. Um, A lot of people don't want to talk about it because they're not educated. So we just need that first step.
0: Yeah, exactly. Thank you, hit the nail on the head there because even in the last couple of days, I've had a lot of conversations with people who are not people of color and they're telling me, I don't want to stay silent, but I'm nervous to post because I don't know if I'm posting it correctly. I don't know if the verbiage is correct. I don't know if what I'm saying is going to offend someone in a way I don't mean to. And they generally do want to support and raise their voice but they're nervous on how to do it. And I think exactly what you just said, educating yourself and keeping it simple, but raising your voice is the way to go. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be anything crazy, but do what you can. And as soon as you educate yourself, you're always more comfortable having a conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, Sorry, one more thing with that, I forgot to mention. Um,
1: Also the biggest, a big, big thing is listen to black people, listen to black voices. I find so often that people, they want to help, but once they're challenged with the ideas, they start to kind of back down um, or they believe that, oh, well, this is what I believe regardless of what you believe or what you think. This is an issue that concerns Black people. It concerns everybody generally, but this is an issue that concerns Black people, and it continues to concern and impact us and traumatize us for years, and will probably go on for years to come. Um, So your biggest thing is to listen to a Black person. If a Black person tells you something is offensive, you listen. It's not about, oh, well, it wasn't my intention. It doesn't matter your intention. It matters, you know, what happened. It matters how it made other people feel. So if somebody, if a Black person is telling you, this is what you can do to help, do that to help you know, don't go off on your own. I think that, you know, maybe this is what I think I should be doing to help. Listen to the community that it's affecting and go from there.
0: Mm -hmm. I agree. Listening is huge right now. Listening to the advice people are giving you on how to be educated. Again, it is not people of color, Black people's Mm -hmm. responsibility to educate you. But if they're going to put the effort in to do so, despite how they're currently feeling, listen, please. And alongside that, I think listening to experiences that people have felt also really, it makes it feel more real. So I would recommend listening. Um, it's difficult to hear these stories. We've been seeing videos going around. As you know, it's difficult to watch the videos. Mm-hmm. In that same breath, it's hard to listen to someone standing in front of you, or even over an audio file, mm-hmm. podcast, whatever, or even reading it on your screen. It's hard to read it because it's very uncomfortable. Um At the same time, I think you do need to listen. You need to, you know, just listen to everything. Once you hear those experiences, I think it becomes a lot more um, internally motivating for you to be a better person and kind of get educated. And Mm -hmm. kind of in that breath too, Abun, if you don't mind, um, I know you'd mentioned that you felt comfortable sharing some of those experiences Mm -hmm. that you've had, whether it be with microaggressions, covert or overt racism. And if you don't mind just sharing a bit of that, as well
1: yeah um well I feel like you know we're seeing what's happening in America and obviously they're angry you know all 50 states are uh, protesting or rioting they're angry and they're fed up um, and I feel like I've been seeing a lot of Canadians believing that it doesn't happen here um, some of them don't understand why people are protesting here um, or you know talking about it here and they kind of say that oh well it's an American problem it's not an American problem Um, What I've noticed, and we're talking to other Black girls and other Black people, um, and people of color in general, but mostly Black people, um, is that there's a different kind of form of racism in Canada, and that's microaggressions. Um, And for those that don't know, basically, I mean, a dictionary definition is a statement, action, or incident regarded as an instance of indirect, subtle, or unintentional discrimination against members of a marginalized group. Um, So basically you know, we all know the racism shown on TV, KKK members, people saying the n-word, people, you know, killing people, you know, for their race, things like that. But I feel like what is not as talked about is the little microaggressions, you know, saying things like, oh, you're pretty for a black girl, Mm -hmm. saying things like, oh, um, I'm not racist, but, you know, everybody should say the n-word, touching black people's hair without permission, you know, saying that oh you know you're black i thought you'd be good at basketball just little things like that um you know those are just as bad people want to kind of dwindle it down to be like oh well you know i'm not racist am i saying the n-word you know i don't hate people for their skin color but it doesn't matter um black people especially growing up you hear these all the time i heard them all the time when i was a kid just little little things you know somebody would turn off the light and they'd kind of laugh and be like oh everyone smile so we can see you in the dark you know somebody come back from vacation and be like, oh I'm just as 10 as you. Those things, as innocent as they think they might be, it is not. And it stays with you constantly and constantly. Comments about hair, com- comments about skin tones, about facial features, they stick with you. Um, being as a black girl, um when I grew up in America, a big thing were my features. Um, obviously it's a black person that big nose, big lips, big eyes. Um, and it's funny to see that celebrated now and so many people seek that out now to look like that. But back then it was a big thing. Um, and you know, my hair is not straight or, you know, it's curly it's kinky and those things stick with you through life And really I don't think it's not until the past couple of years Of being an adult and growing into myself that i'm completely comfortable with it mm-hmm. But growing up as a kid, you know, it's something that you hit all, all the time and at a point um, you start to make those jokes about yourself to beat out other people from yes. saying
0: it. Yeah.
1: Um, and you know, those are things that I know people still struggle to this day. And to this day, I still think about and I still kind of cringe on the things that I let slide, the things that other people say to me, or the things that I said along with people as a way to kind of deflect from the bully for myself and kind of join in on the fun when, you know, in all honesty, it wasn't fun for me. It was fun for everybody else. And I was just trying to shield myself. So, you know, I've dealt with that, you know, especially in Canada. I've dealt with people just randomly touching my hair. Um, you know, we dealt with people kind of insinuating that our hair, regardless of the fact that it grows out of our hair, is unkempt and you know braids are you know not professional but yet when a white person does that it's seen as trendy and edgy and those kind of things they just weigh on you after a while um and we also see things of like covert racism here you know i had an experience i remember it was my second year in canada and i was living in edmonton and that night uh, my brother and my sister and i wanted to go see a movie and maybe i was about 17 and my sister was just about seven and my brother was 14 or 15 and we were getting on the bus And when we got on the bus, this uh, white couple came off, and um, I don't know if they're a bit drunk or whatever, but they got off and they kind of told the bus driver, oh, you know, thank you for this ride, you know, and don't let these, excuse my language, don't let these fucking black kids on the bus. And, you know, I was just 17, my brother was just 14, my sister was just six or seven. And, you know, it came out of nowhere, and they just laughed and left off. And I think the biggest part, besides obviously that comment, the biggest part was the bus driver didn't say anything. You know, they didn't say anything to us. They didn't say anything to the person. They kind of kind of gave me a look like, you know, oh, that sucks. But they didn't say anything. And I guess that's, you know, I knew it for years, but I guess I was, you know, a kind of waking point that, oh, I moved to Canada and this is still going to happen to me, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it's something that happens to us everywhere. Anti-Blackness is an issue that happens in every country, you know. To be Black is to kind of, you know, look for vacation spots. And the first thing you type is kind of, are they racist there, you know. I can't, you know, go on a trip to Italy or, you know, anywhere in Europe or anywhere, you know, in Spain or anything like that. And I always have to look up, you know, have there been racial attacks? Am I going to deal with this when I'm going on vacation? So, you know, things like that, they happen all the time and they happen wherever you are. Um, And that's why I think it's such an important distinction to make between Black people and people of color. Um, I've noticed since the protests and riots, they've turned um, a new kind of term, well, not a new term, I think it's been here for a while, but I've just seen it, um, BIPOC, which stands for Black, Indigenous, and People of Color, because I think, you know, it's easy to group people of color all together, but I think people need to realize that Black people have a different experience, Indigenous people have a different experience, and people of color have a different experience, you know? There's still a lot of anti-Blackness in Asian communities, South Asian communities, um, um, in you know, Hispanic communities, all over the world, I think anti-Blackness is a known theme. Um, so I think it's good to distinguish that. And obviously, Indigenous people here in Canada, their kind of discrimination is way different from other kind of discriminations that they face. Um, theirs has been systematic for years. Um, their last residential school just closed in 1986, the year I was born. Theirs is not far removed at all. They're still a generation still suffering and still dealing with what happened to their families um, and what happened to their parents and you know it's not something that's happened generations back it's something that they're literally just the next generation and you know people are scarred so i think it's good to differentiate differentiate between those two um but you know still acknowledging that people of color have you know their own experiences their own prejudices um and kind of learning that distinction and we can still be one but acknowledge our differences i believe
0: yeah i agree and it's like you said i mean it's still happening every day like even Like, a big one that I find in Canada is not that, even though there is, like you said, experiences where people are still overtly racist or say prejudiced things, it's a lot of covert racism. It's where, like, people don't even realize they're saying something, but Mm -hmm. they are. And, yeah, as someone who's saying it from a non-person of color uh, perspective, Mm -hmm. you don't realize you're saying it. You don't mean it. We understand that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you're still doing it, and it's still affecting the person receiving it, and that's Mm -hmm. even the biggest one I think that I've heard growing up and I hear it still to this day is oh you're not that brown oh you're you're not even that black you're basically white right so I hear that quite a bit whether it's to myself my friends people around me I hear that quite a bit Mm -hmm. and it's used almost to describe people Mm -hmm. and the thing that's wrong with that I just want to point this out to anyone listening if you've ever said it is that you're basically stereotyping that culture or that race to be a certain way. So you're saying, that way. well, you're not this way, which is what I think a Black stereotype is. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you're not Black, which is wrong, yeah. because people can be whoever they are and not fit a stereotype. It's wrong to stereotype. And the second part of that, too, is that you're implying that whatever you're comparing them to is not good enough. You're saying it's almost a good thing that they're not that yes. Black or not that Brown, whatever. and Again, I think, Boone, like you said, like, sometimes, like, maybe as a person receiving such uh, comments, like, you almost want to, you joke about it, you kind of say it as well. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like, that's, I think I see that quite a bit, like, around people of color and just kind of people I've been around, too, where it's like, you kind of joke around it, you play into the joke, but honestly, it hurts, because you're like, I don't want to be that way, because I don't want to be treated wrongly, I'd rather kind of conform. So. It's like
1: like, you know comments like oh you talk so well for a black person you're so eloquent you know it kind of makes it think like you know what do you think of black people what do you think of people of color that you're kind of comparing that to it's not a compliment at all Um, and like i said regardless i think the time of that wasn't my intention is up you know we're in a new day and regardless if you meant to say it or you meant the intent behind it or you didn't we're still gonna group it as one at this point because everybody's educated enough, everybody has access, everybody is around. We're, you know, I think it's such a diverse time in our lives and especially in Canada, you know, we're a melting pot, like we say. So you're around people of color, you're around black people. Um, so at that point, it's not gonna fly anymore, the ignorance or the little comments that you think are innocent. Um, and, you know, before you say something, think. A lot of people don't think, um, and they kind of say something and they think it's in good faith, but it's not, so. I think it's a big thing. And you know, Canada is especially bad for that, but you know, they're also bad besides my progression, they're bad with all the covert racism. Um, they don't believe it happens here, but um, like I have examples here. Just last week, you know, a black woman, and I hope I pronounced it her name right, Regis Korczynski Baket, um, it was, you know, reported that she was a black woman suffering from mental health issues. Um, they called, you know, the police, I believe, to help. And, you know, it went from that to, and she felt her death. Um, you know, from a 20-story building or something. And a lot of people believe, people believe you know, the investigation is still going on, but a lot of people don't think that she fell to her death or jumped to her death. Um, so things like that happen. You know, in 2015, it's such a big case, the Andrew uh, Loki, I believe, case, mm-hmm. um, the Sudanese immigrant that he was suffering mental health issues. Um, and, you know, the police were called, and, you know, he was a far distance away from them. And instead of them using their training and using compassion, care, to try to talk him down, de-escalate, which is the first thing they're taught. They immediately just shot him you know there was a study done in 2018 um just two years ago by the global mail where they found that despite that black people made up only 8.8 percent of toronto's population well in 2016 i don't know what it is now um, but they only made about nine percent of toronto's population they were involved in seven out of ten cases of fatal shootings by police so the discrepancy is so large you know um and that's something they didn't want to talk about and when they brought this up to the toronto police police department all they said was that, you know, they found that, um, that while they will commit to, you know, doing all these race, race-based studies and research no more, they still refuse to admit the fact that it's a systematic racism um, and problem. They basically said that, nope, it has nothing to do with race. It's just, it is what it is. And it's not. you know, it's not, the discrepancy is so large. Uh, so things like that, and people just want to kind of, you know, push it off to the wayside. But we need to talk about why are things like that happening why is such a minority in you know, a province or in a country making up for such a majority of the killings? Something doesn't add up. Um, and at some points, it's not about, oh, you know it is what it is, or black and black crime, which is not a thing, by the way, that I was able to know. Every time we talk about this and systematic racism, people bring up black and black crime, and at the point, it's racial gaslighting to bring mm-hmm. that up. Because black and black crime is not a real thing. Um, and that's something I wanted to talk about. Uh, when people say black and black crime, They kind of make it as a justification like, oh, well, if Black people can kill other Black people, why can't we kill them? That's what we hear. Um, And the thing is, Black and Black crime is not a real thing. You know, Black people tend to live in areas with other Black people. And when they commit crimes, it just happens to be around the proximity of those around them, which happens to be Black, you know. Um, I know, I can kind of speak for it, I never hear of a case where a Black person is targeting another Black person verbally being Black. It doesn't happen. You target those that are in proximity to you. Just like you know, in neighborhoods that I maybe mean, have a mod, you know, predominantly Asian community or predominantly, you know, um, um, white community, you commit the crimes to those that are close to you. But nobody says white on white crime. Nobody says Asian Asian crime. They only see black and black crime. To kind of you know bring down the topic and to gaslight us and believe that oh well you know you guys can do this to you. Why can't we do this to us? And that's not a justification. You know, so I think bringing up those kind of things, bringing up All Lives Matters. At this point where I'm at, I don't think we need to keep on explaining the Black Lives Matter thing. Um, people know what it is. People that say All Lives Matters, they know exactly what we mean when we say Black Lives Matters. At this point, it's just a way to shut up you know, those that are protesting. And you know, of course, like we say, All Lives Matters, but you know, All Lives Matters won't matter until Black Lives Matter. And at that point, they don't matter right now. So when you say things like All Lives Matters, when you say things like Black and Black crime, when you try to play devil's advocates you're not, um, you're not doing any of that. You are just trying to silence those that are trying to talk about this issue. You don't want to, it doesn't concern you. Um, and I find that we shouldn't have to, you know, I shouldn't have to explain to you why you should care about other people.
0: Exactly. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I was deeply hurt yesterday. I was on Facebook reading through, I'm part of like a Facebook group as all of us are, you know, and it's a group that does have girls from all over the us and canada in it and there was a girl in there playing devil's advocate Mm -hmm. and i was like how dare you like you're just trying to like as you're mentioning like essentially gaslight someone into saying Mm -hmm. something rude to you so you can use it against them and screenshot it and do whatever you're going to do and hold it against them and it's not appropriate at this time. Mm-hmm. It's such a tactic. It's such a tactic. And we see that in the right in the protest. Mm-hmm. You know, we see
1: all these people, you know, the MAGA people or, you know, who lives matters, all lives matters. we see them going to these protests and riots to basically instigate people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I saw a video. Um, I'm sorry, I can't cite it, but it's on, it's on the news. I saw a video of, you know, a white man. He drove right into a protest. He got out of his car and started shouting, all lives matters. And, of course, people were yelling at him, you know, get out of here, blah, blah, blah. But nobody was doing fiscal. People were kind of just at him to get out. And then he brought a bow and arrow out of his car and started pointing it at people. And that's the point where he got attacked. And then he went on the news to tell them, you know, all bloodied and everything, to tell them, oh, you know, I was just exercising my right and two black men did it. And then they brought out the video to show, um, somebody sent the video to the news organization to show them, like, actually, no, it was a group of, you know, um, majority white protesters that were protesting for Black Lives Matters and were protesting for the movement. And he was just trying to instigate and they attacked him, but it wasn't a Black person who attacked him. So they do that to kind of perpetuate the idea that Black people are thugs, that were violent, that were all of this. Um, but, you know, it's not that case. So I think, you know, there's always going to be people like that. There's always going to be people that want to play devil advocate, or they don't want to, you know, admit the racism because then they would have to, you know, tear down their own biases that they've already built in their head. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's a good thing just not to engage with them, yeah. because I've learned that you know there's no education at this point. People always want to say you should educate, you should educate them. They have access to education. We have access to the internet. Everybody knows already. Um, and I think at this point, if you're not willing to be educated you're stuck in those biases and there's no point even having a conversation. There's no point in me trying to convince you. I shouldn't have to convince another person of my humanity as a black person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's the responsibility of anybody. So I think a big thing is not to kind of get baited into those kind of racial topics. Um, it's a hard thing. I know for me, it's definitely a hard thing for me to ignore. But I learned that they just want a reaction and they want a reason to further pressure the idea that black people are all violent and, you know, where we always make everything about race, but, you know, you can't kind of say black people make everything about race when, you know, they were the ones to make race, things about race first, you know, with slaves and everything. So, um, and James Corden, he brought out a video, I believe he was yesterday, and he said something that really stuck with me. And he was saying that, you know, how can black people dismantle a system that they didn't help create? Um, and I think that's such a big, to say that's such a big impact um people want to believe like oh you know you're writing about this person about this what is your solution and at the end of the day all we want i believe what you know i want um is just be treated equally and to acknowledge that these things are going on um i feel the biggest frustration is people just not acknowledging the racist system the systematic oppression you know um you know the access the less access to health care that black people have you know black women are five times more likely to die in childbirth we need to talk about those topics you know mm-hmm. there's nothing different about us in our genetics and our dna it's just the biases people build up and that harms us in so many ways it harms us financially systematically socially um it doesn't just boil down to just being treated like crap because you're black but it mm-hmm. limits us to all these other potentials you know it limits my chance to get a job it limits my chance to you know get health care to be approved for a loan it's so much bigger mm-hmm. and i that's what i really want at the end of you know when everything dies down you know, after we see the scene of the police officer that killed George Floyd, hopefully he is you know prosecuted and he is tried and sentenced. But you know, after everything dies down and people tend to forget about it, like we always do, which is you know normal in human instance, Um, I want people to realize that this is so much bigger than just you know black lives dying by police brutality. That's a big thing, but it goes so much beyond and we want the systematic oppression to kind of stop because it limits us for so many other things. So, you know, just kind of think of so many other things that you can help me with and kind of keeping a mind off when
0: this dies down. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's like you said, it's sometimes like a, like it's a very covert bias sometimes. And like, even like, I mean, I think we've all caught ourselves at certain points in times, like, we'll be like for example, we'll be in a room or you're going to walk into a company and be in a business and you're going to say, Oh, there's a black person walking into the room. Oh, there's a brown mm-hmm. person walking into, into the room. Oh, they hired an Asian person. It's a token Asian person. Like, exactly. you hear this kind of stuff and sometimes you don't say it. Sometimes you don't hear it out loud, but you think it unconsciously. And that's where you need to catch yourself. That's where you get to you know reflect upon yourself. Mm-hmm. Ask yourself why you're thinking it, why it flashed into your mind, mm-hmm. and then take the right steps to address why it's happening. Exactly.
1: And don't put all the onus on that person that you know you're educating or you're looking towards so often people of color and especially black people I know my instance you're kind of seen as to be the representative of the whole race um you know you'll be in a room and people be talking about it and it looks to you and all of a sudden you know you're the one that's talking about everybody's experiences when it's not that um and the burden is so heavy and especially the black person you feel such a responsibility and when you feel like you haven't lived to the responsibility you feel like you've let down your whole entire race when really you know I shouldn't be burdened for all the feelings of the Black people in Canada. No. So kind of you know looking around, doing research, and don't putting don't put that all on the person that you're trying to you know have educate you. You can also you know have some responsibility for yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think the other thing too, especially in Canada, um, and I can even just like from where I grew up, which is a different province than yourself, but mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of pockets that are predominantly white or predominantly a certain race, and mm-hmm. I think the thing is, if you do come from a region or a tiny area or city, whatever it may be, that is not predominantly filled with people of color, Uh don't make your bias or stereotype on the couple people that you knew from Mm -hmm. elementary school, middle school, high school, your current job that Mm -hmm. happen to be people of color. I think that it's an easy um, kind of, it's an easy trap to fall into. Mm -hmm. And again, an unconscious one, but Those couple people, as amazing or as different than you as they may be, they do not represent an entire race. And I think that's important to remember. It's, again, just treating people with equality and Mm -hmm. just having an open mind about everything. Because I think that's a trap that people fall into, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: And I think that is for sure. And I like that you brought that up. Um, I also think a big thing, you know, people can do is don't take everything for face value. You know, we... I mean, I went to school for broadcast news. So obviously when people talk about the media, I have a little bit, you know, heart to it because I understand it from both perspectives, being part of the media um, and being just a regular citizen. And I think people, a lot of things people can do to help them is listen, you know, don't take everything for face value. Listen to the way media presents people. Listen to the way Donald Trump, people in power are talking about those marginalized groups. You know, when you hear things like, oh, thugs, protesters, looters, you know, they allude to black people. And regardless of people say black people are not, we know what you mean. You know, see how the media is describing those people. You know, we've seen all the riots, going on, all the protests, and thankfully in all fifty states, it's people of all races protesting against you know institutionalized racism, police brutality, which is what we want. But when you're seeing them talk about the riots and the damage done, you see it centered mostly all black people doing this damage. When to be honest, it's the same amount of people of color. Um, you know, different races, all processing for the same thing, but see the way how it's impacting Black people, see the way that they talk about Black children. You know, with Trayvon Martin in 2013, such a landmark case and such a big thing that affected everybody. I know for me, it was the one that really affected me um, and kind of led me to really be so advocate um, going forward. Um, a big thing to talk about, he was only 17 years old when he died. And George Zimmerman was a man, he's his 30s, a grown man, and so much of the terms and the verbiage they used was oh he was a black man he's a black man he's a black man he wasn't he was a black kid he was a black teenager he's a black child it's just a way to dehumanize um black people basically you know we always say this in you know the black community and it's seen everywhere else that you know it's felt that we are not allowed to be children you know they were aged way quickly in the media um, and that's just a way to kind of side with the police or side with whoever's brutalizing us you know it's easy to you know you see maybe a white girl this 14 year old white girl somebody happens to her they talk to her about her she's a girl she's a young girl you know the jeffrey epstein case we've seen with all them everything through the documentary she's a young girl you know Mm -hmm. she you know messed with young children Mm -hmm. but when you see the comparison to let's say with r kelly he mostly targeted black women but they weren't black women they were black girls between the ages of 12 and you know 18 or whatever but so many times you know when I was growing up hearing about them and hearing just little things about R. Kelly before we really knew the kind of monster he was we were we thought to believe that oh it was black women he was abusing and obviously abuse is abuse but they made it seem like oh these are black women that they knew what they wanted they wanted to be with him despite of all the abuse that he's done and you know all the pedophilia and stuff like that but it wasn't the case he was targeting black children and they aged them in the media so when you know if you're a non-Black person or a non-person of color um, or a person of color, when you are seeing this, me- uh, this media and consuming all this information, um, think about the way that it trains your biases and whether or not we all have prejudices, prejudices, yeah, <laughs> so biases. Um, regardless, it's hard. We all have them, of are all racist. Um, and that happens from so much, you know, media consume, our experiences around us. You, you know, you think a certain type of way and, you know, think in a certain type of way, yes, it sucks, but once you can, you know, you acknowledge that about yourself and you fix it, that's the first responsibility. And kind of seeing the way that we've talked about in the media, um, inform yourself, don't take everything for face value, you know. So I think that's also a big thing, um, kind of not letting everything around you cloud your judgments. You know, in America, they have a president that is kind of saying whatever he wants and they've taken that to be a good thing, but it's not. Um, And, you know, I believe obviously racism has been happening for years, but because of him, I think it's been way more overt. Mm-hmm. because you know they see the president saying these kind of things about black people or you know mexicans or whatever why can't they say it that's what they're thinking so mm-hmm. um you know p- see those people they have in power and don't listen to them you know for face value do your own information do your own opinions um and kind of tear down the biases in your head mm-hmm. um you know we all have them it's a hard thing to kind of just completely erase but if you're actually working towards it that's the most important
0: thing yeah i agree and I know we're coming up on some time here, but thank you so much for sharing everything. I mean, I am so grateful that I have you in my life. I'm i am so grateful for everything you've shown me and uh, the experiences you've shared with me. And again, thankful for you having this conversation with me today um, and letting me record this and push it out. Um, and I know anyone listening would have taken a lot away from this conversation in terms of tangible, actionable items to you know, to put in place themselves, but then also maybe people of color listening who would have identified with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that's a big part of it too, is being able to kind of listen to other people relate, feel like you're not the only one going through it, but then also being comfortable enough, being inspired to also share your story to someone else's. So Exactly.
1: Um, before we end, I just want to say, you know, justice for George Floyd, justice for Breonna Taylor, Regis Koczynski-Piquette, again, I don't know if I'm saying that properly, um, Tony McDade, all the people that have been abused, you know, Black Lives Matter, continue protesting, continue rioting. I, I'm all for it. I don't care what anybody says. Um, I believe that Black people absolutely have the right to destroy a, you know, a land that they built for free. Um, you know, continue sharing, continue signing petitions, continue donating, continue using your voice and voting, continue voting. Obviously in Canada, we don't have anything to do with American elections, but for those that may be listening to America, for, you know, my American people, my American family that's are still there, votes. Regardless if you think your, you know, your voting matters, your, you know, your ballot matters, it does. Uh, we're so often led to believe with, you know, obviously the induction of Charles Trump, despite not winning the popular votes, um, all these corrupt politicians, we always kind of believe that, oh, our voices matter because regardless, they're going to do what they want. But our voice does matter. We've seen with these protests that they do matter. We are making a change. Mm-hmm. Um, and keep on doing that. Keep on fighting. Don't let anybody do, and do your voice. And you in you know, your little bedroom in Saskatchewan or, you know, Winnipeg or wherever it is, you can make a voice and people are listening and people are seeing. And we're happy for the support and we can always do more.
0: Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Thank you so much. And um, again, I'll be linking a lot of resources in the show notes for everyone to go through. And um, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you.